Welcome to this episode of the More Than Just a Type podcast. I'm so excited that you're here today. My guest today is Sarah Petty. Sarah is an expert in spiritual wellness. She is an integrative nutrition health coach, yoga and meditation teacher, and a full spectrum doula in training. And she has been living with type one diabetes since 2005. In this conversation, we chat about astrology. I mean, we chat about many things, but we chat about astrology, type one diabetes, of course, Sarah's doula training and what that's like, and how Sarah's been able to overcome burnout and the importance of connection. She has a bunch of really amazing groups that connect other people living with type 1 diabetes together. And we also chat about the use of cannabis and psilocybin and how that has impacted our blood sugars. It's just a really fun conversation and I really cannot wait to share this episode with you today. Sarah is such a joy and such a radiant, bright soul. And I hope that you enjoy this conversation just as much as I enjoyed speaking with Sarah. And if you do enjoy this episode today, please don't forget to take a second to rate and review this podcast. Please leave me a five-star rating. Let me know what you enjoy most about this episode today or what you felt was most inspiring or what you learned from this episode, whatever your biggest takeaway is. When you take the time to do this, it helps to expand the reach of this podcast and it makes it possible for this podcast to reach more listeners' ears and so other people can benefit from hearing this information as well. All you have to do is scroll down on whichever app you're listening to this podcast on and tap the stars to rate the podcast and then just click to leave a quick review. Thank you so much for your support of this show. If you currently want to lose weight, then you probably already know that a calorie deficit is the only way that fat loss is possible. And you probably also know that because your body is individual, so are the amount of calories it requires per day. But you might not know just how many calories you should actually be eating in order to achieve your weight loss goal. And if you're interested in discovering how many calories and macros, so macros are the amount of protein, carbs, and fat that your body needs individually, I've put together a tool that will help you. So this tool is completely free. I'm so excited to share it with you. Just go to tajakato.com forward slash calories to calculate your calories and macros for fat loss. Also linking to this in the show notes. Welcome to the More Than Just a Type podcast, a place where we explore what it takes to live your best life. I'm your host, Taja Cato, expert in type 1 diabetes and fat loss, entrepreneur, and lover of all things fitness and personal development. Each week, we'll bring you a tangible tool, tip, or insight that'll inspire you and empower you to take action, achieve your goals, and live your best life. Okay, so you were diagnosed 15 years ago. Is that I was reading your email and I'm like, oh my God, there's so many things I want to like talk about. I'm like, this is so like. (laughs) Um, So you've had what? How old were you again when you were diagnosed? I was 15. I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. Okay. 
That must have been, I mean, I know it's challenging at any age, but was that challenging being in high school and having to navigate type one at the same time? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Especially since um, I played soccer growing up pretty competitively. So it was like just getting into high school, really being excited about all the new things that that brings into your life. And um, I just was feeling like I was needing now to focus and um, really spend so much energy and effort to learn this new part of myself and to see how it would kind of work into the kind of crazy busy life that I already had. You know, I was working um, from a young age. I was playing sports. I was involved in a lot of other activities. And for me, it was like, you know, I don't really have time for diabetes. Um, so it, I don't think that it provided me with an opportunity to have a really strong foundation. And, um, you know, I, my parents like allowed me to kind of take the reins and have responsibility early on because they just didn't know about diabetes. Uh, no one in my family has diabetes and we come from like a really big family. Like my mom has tons of siblings. I have tons of cousins. And to this day, I mean, I'm grateful for it, but nobody has type one diabetes still. So it's just kind of like for a while, I wasn't sure how that made me feel. You know, I kind of wished that maybe there was somebody in my family that could relate to me, but at the same time, it's one of the things that has allowed me to see that diabetes is part of my purpose. And it's, you know, almost like my soul's decision to have this condition. And, um, it's something that's provided me with some acceptance. Yeah. And did it take you a while to get to that point where you were fully accepting it? Definitely. I would say it took about seven or eight years and it's still something that I'm working on accepting. You know, it's not about reaching that destination, but it's about coming back to your center and finding yourself over and over and over again, you know, much like anything in life, right? It's like, you know, the, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, um, it never ends. So I kind of think it, of it like the um, the Wheel of Fortune card in, in the tarot. If anyone's familiar with tarot, they might understand kind of some of the imagery that that speaks to. But, you know, when you're on top, when things are, are great, it's awesome to be on top and feeling be feeling so good. But you have to understand that there's going to be a time when that, you know, Wheel of Fortune keeps turning and you're going to be at that low point again. And you're going to be feeling your feelings and you're going to be going through hardships and there's going to be obstacles and challenges. But, you know, when you are low, when you are down, you have to remember too, that that's not where you'll be forever because that wheel just wants to keep turning. And eventually you're going to be making your way back to the top again and feeling, um, all those happy feelings again and having success and, and having opportunities. So moving from obstacles to opportunities. Uh, but again, when you're riding high, you have to just kind of keep on your toes and remember, like, just got to keep going with the flow here because it's never ending. Yeah. That's a, I love that analogy. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and then, because I know, okay, so I love how you keep popping in on Clubhouse, and I love that platform, but at the same time, I'm such a one-on-one person that, like, I feel so, like, when I'm in a big group, I'm like, oh, this is a little awkward. <laughs> yeah. But I know you, like, explained all of the things that you do, and it was so, like, how you explained it was so good. So you do, like, tarot and astrology and like so many things that you are into, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the tarot and astrology has been more of something that I've, I've kept to myself and within circles of friends for years, but I'm starting to see, especially just kind of the way, um, our culture, like popular culture is shifting too, is that these, um, esoteric practices and different beliefs are becoming a little bit more mainstream, a little bit more accepted and a little bit more easy to talk about where people are understanding what, 
what you mean when you say things about astrology or, or tarot or even numerology. Uh, so it's really inspired me to start sharing more about it with others. So I definitely have been having fun checking out my friends' natal charts and explaining to them more about, especially their sun, moon, and rising sign, because I feel like that's a great place to begin. It's really um, an opportunity to kind of start to self-reflect and to examine, you know, what makes you you, because we're all unique and it's allowed me, especially on a personal level to just start to, um, to find ways, um, to accept different parts of myself. So again, thinking about, um, positive things, thinking about negative things and just kind of finding a balance between the both. So a lot of the themes in my life are, are definitely about balance. Uh, I am a Libra sun and a Libra rising, so I can see I was how ask that. You. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got a lot of Libra, um, but I also am an Aquarius moon. So, you know, that, part of myself has also been important to, for me to explore because it really speaks to the time that I need to be alone and to kind of withdraw from the group because Libra is all about the other and it's about other people and um, the relationships that we have and how we show up in the world with other people. And though Aquarius is the sign of the humanitarian and it's a sign of groups and especially friendship groups, um, Aquarius in the moon means that you need to kind of take time for yourself to recharge and to be alone. And I think that's what allows me to integrate some of the different things that I have going on inside of me so that I can continue to show up and serve people in the best way that I know how. That's so awesome. I think it's such an, like when I was going through my Saturn return, I got big into astrology because I was like, I feel so lost right now. (laughs) So I think it is, it's such an important thing for people to like, if they're open to it, to just kind of look at because it gives you permission sort of to like do, be yourself in a way. For sure, yeah. And what are your, um, have you, uh, what are your sons? Oh, sorry if I don't, yeah, (laughs) no, no, I'm um, Scorpio sun and Scorpio rising and a Cancer moon. Okay. That's so lots of water. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And just like, yeah. And me, then I have a, like, Oh, sorry. Just like, yeah, I sorry, was going to say, saying? um, sun and, and rising are, are the same. So you're showing up it, I, yeah. I always say like, that's kind of like uh what you see is what you get. Like the way you show up is kind of who you truly are. And that's pretty beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. And I have, do you, what are your other, do you have, cause I have a lot of Capricorn, like most of my planets, other than that, it's like Scorpio Capricorn. And then my um, north node is Aquarius and south node is um, Leo. Okay, so that's we're it, probably much. the same age then. Were you born in like 1990, like right around there? 1989, okay. yeah. So that's, yeah, that's why we have um, a lot of Capricorn energy as well, um, Saturn and Capricorn. Okay. So we went through our Saturn return at the same time. Um, Uranus and Capricorn, I would imagine. Um, yeah, so we're I've same north, north <laughs> node for me in Aquarius, south node in Leo, so... Yeah, we okay, have a lot cool. of similarities for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's so awesome. And then I guess for if people don't know what your like Saturn return is, how would you explain that? So Saturn um, is the planet that has a twenty-eight year cycle. So you know when we are seven years old and we're going to school for the first time, it's like the first time we're kind of stepping out into the world. That's when um, Saturn kind of makes its first square to where it was when we were born. And then the next kind of big moment in our lives is when we're about 14 years old, like we're going to high school, right? So that's like right around the time that I got diagnosed with diabetes. Um, That's another kind of chance for Saturn to show up in a different way for you. You know, that's when Saturn is going to oppose where it was when we were born. 
And then when we're 21, it's another one of the Saturn squares. So that's when we're coming up to the point where it's like, okay, like we may um, be kind of entering the world as adults, you know, if we went to college, it might be a time that we're about to leave college and things are changing. It's a big shift in our lives again. So that's kind of where that energy is showing up. And then around age 28 is when Saturn returns to where it was when you were born. So it's definitely a big coming of age moment. It's an opportunity for you to really learn some of the more challenging or difficult lessons that maybe you haven't um, been able to explore or been able to work through within your life up until that point. Uh, being Saturn and Capricorn, you and I uh, have that similarity. So, you know, I feel like anyone that has Saturn and Capricorn, it's a little bit of an easier uh, sign to work with, with Cap, uh, with Capricorn um, being so related to Saturn. So for me, like I was like, I'm ready for this. Um, I was really kind of excited to have these challenges, not to say by any means that um, my Saturn return was easy, but um, I knew that if I was able to really take a deeper look at what I needed to do, how I needed to show up for this particular experience that on the other side of it was going to be such a more balanced and beautiful life for myself. And I do believe that I learned some of the lessons that I needed to learn. Um, I really started to shift the things that I was doing uh, as far as my professional pursuits. I entered um, yoga teacher training during that time. I was starting to finish up a uh, integrative nutrition program. A lot of the people that I had been spending my time with, my friends, um, I chose to no longer spend time with them so much anymore. I just felt like we were um, on different paths and it just wasn't really serving me as well as uh, maybe some other friendships, like the ones that I had found in the diabetes community. You know, those were really filling me up and making me feel excited about life. And, you know, I even stopped uh, drinking alcohol right around the beginning of my Saturn return. So, in retrospect, just looking back and seeing that I had already started to make those changes that I knew would lead me into a more balanced state as I approached, you know, your true adulthood. So that's kind of where we are now. We're on the other side of that Saturn return. And uh, I couldn't be more excited because I do feel like everything that I went through for those few years has allowed me to have such a strong foundation to begin the rest of my life. Uh, so that's where I am today, you know, uh, doing the things that I want to do and um, each day is a new opportunity to reconnect with myself and my purpose and what I feel that I'm meant here to do. That's so awesome. So do you think um, our Saturn return was more so focused on career changes or like with Capricorn? Because it, it sounds like mine was all about – like that's how I felt with mine and it sounds like you kind of, you had shifts in that area too. <laughs> it could be. Um, it, it really depends on where Saturn is showing up within your chart within the houses. So, you know, if you have Saturn in the 10th house, the 10th house is all about our career. Um, that could really speak to that a little bit more. Uh, for me, um, and you know, I actually just changed the, the house system that I use. So I think I want to say my Saturn is in my fourth house um, based on that because okay. it, it's been, you know, it changes. It can change depending on, so <laughs> astrology so layered so complex but it's it's one of those uh arts i would say that's not you know it's not black and white it's not set in stone it's it's more of a language that we can speak and so for me like i've even made mistakes within my own chart my mom uh she was convinced that i was born at 852 so yeah. i had thought for a long time before that that i was born earlier than that which ended up being true so for a long time i thought i was a libra sun and a libra rising but then my mom convinced me that, no, you weren't born then. You were born at 852. So 
Then I thought I was a Scorpio rising. So I actually spent my Saturn return thinking I was a Scorpio rising. But oh my god. And and of course like the difference between Libra and Scorpio is pretty it's pretty big. It's like there's a lot of things to consider if you're working with that Scorpio energy rather than a Libra energy. And so what I really like about what happened with all of that was that thinking that I was 1 degree into Scorpio allowed me to look at some of the parts of myself that are more related to Scorpio. Some of the things that are a little bit darker or maybe, you know, are a little bit more, um, not as easy to accept. So I really found some acceptance in believing that I was a Scorpio rising. And that's, what's really beautiful about astrology is that even if you don't have certain placements and certain signs and, and things in certain houses, you know, we are part of the universe. Like we're made of stardust as they say, you know, so all of these different energies, you know, they're within us. So it's okay for us to start to look at those things about ourselves and to kind of sift through what's true for us and maybe what's not so true for us. So I definitely had that moment of radical self-acceptance thinking I was a Scorpio, but I did find my birth certificate a couple months, a couple months ago. And my dad's like, did you, I did. And he's like, she'll still try to convince you that she, you were born later than that. But he's like, I actually think you might've even been born 20 minutes before that, but that's okay. So I am a Libra rising and coming home to that again and being able to now realize that that's my true rising sign is also beautiful and it feels so good. And, um, again, bringing me back to that idea of balance and finding balance within myself, but also remembering that that's part of what I want to do in service of others is help people come back to that balance and, and come back to that place of beauty and peace and harmony. And, um, you know, Libra is also the sign of justice. So I am definitely somebody that, um, that speaks to, and, um, that's part of why I'm so excited to go through the training that I'm doing now to become a uh, full spectrum doula because so much of that work is based on uh, reproductive justice and showing up for people, all types of people, um, you know, not just thinking of people that are giving birth as, as women, but, you know, uh, there's, there's a whole spectrum of people out there who are choosing to have children uh, biologically. So just being able to find a lane as far as, you know, social justice issues and, um, you know, starting to learn more about cultural humility. Uh, it's been really interesting and exciting. And it's really something that's lighting up that Libra part of myself, because, um, you know, especially in this last year, when so many of these conversations are coming to the forefront, it's been, um, I've been a little more quiet and unsure of where I stand with things. And now knowing these things about myself and knowing where, um, where it shows up in my chart, it's giving me confidence to speak up for those that need someone to speak up for them or, um, you know, just, just making sure that I'm holding compassion and space for all people, which also relates to so much of the yoga studies that I've done. And so much of the things that I've discovered within the diabetes community, you know, people at the end of the day, like how we feel and the emotions that we feel are so similar, um, no matter, you know, what you look like or where you come from, you know, we all know what it feels like to feel sad and we all know what it feels like to feel left out or, um, not seen and not witnessed and not heard. And we just kind of tune into those emotions and realize that, you know, we're not the only one feeling the way that we feel. It allows us to hold compassion and space for other people that might be feeling those same things as well. So just accepting um, myself and holding space for compassion for others. Uh, that's been really exciting. 
That's so beautiful. And so you've done, you did your yoga teacher's training like a while ago, right? Yes. Or was that? Um, 2017 yeah. is when I started my training. Yeah. So okay. in a few years That's now. That's so cool. Yeah. My mom did her yoga, like way back in the day she did her. So she does yoga and she also does um, like tarot and tea leaf readings. Awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think she has the same deck that you have. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yes. I use the Thoth deck. I love the Thoth deck because it relates to astrology too. So there's like the mystical Kabbalah and there, you know, everything kind of comes together within that deck. So it's been able to inspire me more um, with astrology and with numerology and um, with the tarot, of course, too. So that's so cool. I love it. And then I want to hear all about your doula training because that sounds super cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I recently enrolled with the uh, doula trainings international program, which um, again, the reason why I chose that program was because when I saw the the required reading book list, you know, one of the first uh, top things on the book list was reproductive justice. And so learning more about the experiences of others and also starting to explore cultural humility and recognizing that, you know, there are so many different lived experiences and there are so many different types of people and different types of families out there that really spoke to me. And um, just being able to show up for for people in that way is really exciting because, you know, I'm someone that has always hoped to have children. I've always hoped to, to be a mother. And I can see th these things within my own needle chart, especially now that I, I just shifted from, um, I was doing equal house to whole sign, which is actually not that much different, but it caused just these slight shifts within my own chart that I can see that, you know, working with children or, or families in that way is showing up for myself. Um, and also, you know, where my Chiron placement is. So Chiron, is an asteroid. It's the wounded healer. And wherever Chiron is, it shows you where maybe some of your childhood wounds are, maybe some of those deeper things that have really affected us. And for me, you know, Chiron is showing up in my 10th house, which is the house of career. And so for me, seeing that really allows me to understand, you know, whatever I do career-wise, it is going to relate to some of the things that I've been through. And, you know, for me, like I, I have had experiences within my diabetes journey that that speak to, um, you know, maybe not having the opportunity to have children the way that I would want to. And, you know, when I was growing up and, and struggling with my diabetes, um, I was not taking my insulin. I was not really caring about testing my blood sugar. And I actually lost my men menstrual cycle for a few years. And I didn't really have anyone to talk to about that. I didn't have the diabetes community. You know, this was back in I would say like 2007, 2008, 2009, like end of high school, beginning of college, so to speak for um, people within our age group here. And, you know, the diabetes community online wasn't a thing back then. You know, I, I'm sure there were blogs and, and different things you could read, but, you know, I, I felt very alone and I didn't know who to talk to about it. And once I was able to start to kind of recover from that burnout and diabolemia, I was able to get my menstrual cycle back and, you know, that was part of this whole experience too. moving forward. I always thought, you know, I'd really like to help people that are struggling with diabolemia or with burnout. And I know that this is something that happens so often in the diabetes space, uh, you know, people, people losing their menstrual cycle and, and not knowing what to do and uh, not having a clear direction on, on how to become the healthiest version of themselves. You know, whether you want to have children or not, you know, making sure that your body is feeling its best and that all these different systems are, are working properly is really important. Um, so, you know, for me, 
back then the motivation to recover and to be better with diabetes came from that vision that I, I wanted to be a mother someday. And I, I always joke and say it's not that I want to be a mother so much as that I want to be a grandmother, right? So I, I, yeah. know, I know I have to be a mother first, but um, for me, like that longevity of life and making sure that I support my body in ways that allow me to to be a grandmother and maybe even a great-grandmother someday. I mean, I'm 30, yeah. so <laughs> I'm starting a little later if I'm really thinking great-grandmother status here, but you never know. Never say no. You never know. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. So what what brought you to – was it just knowing all of those things and thinking of longevity? Is that what, what helped you to get over diabulimia? I've had so many people reach out about diabulimia, but that's never something that I personally went through. So it would be interesting to hear, like, how you were able to overcome that. Because I imagine – like, I've had, like, other eating disorders where yeah. it's, like, that mental thing where it's so hard to – sort of like just get out of it. I don't know. Is it was that the same probably for diabulimia? For sure, it was uh, it was a lot um to do with my mental state and you know, not having peer support. So, you know, I'm someone I know everyone's experience with burnout and with mental health and especially with diabulimia or any other eating disorder. You know, it's really unique to the person and there's all sorts of reasons why we might arrive at that kind of moment where, you know, we're brought to our knees and the, the thing that we need to do is just kind of surrender and to, you know, let go of that, that need to control and that need to be so fixated on one thing and, and start to just see life from a bigger picture and a bigger perspective. And, you know, as soon as I had my first like true DKA experience, cause I, I didn't go into DKA when I was diagnosed, I was really lucky. I had a, a wonderful pe- pediatric a doctor who knew the signs of diabetes right away. And I know that's not always the case. And it's another reason why I chose to be an advocate for diabetes is because I want people to know um, more about my story. And I tell people about that pediatrician. And it's funny, her name's uh, Dr. Wright with a W, but you know, she was always, she was always right. <laughs> and um, you know, yeah. she, she knew to send me right into Boston and, and to get that care that I needed right off the bat. So I never was in DKA um, in the beginning, but I certainly had some at-home DKA experiences before that big one that landed me in the ICU. And, you know, seeing how upset my parents were and um, seeing, you know, just how much it affected them, especially since I know that there was a lot of guilt there and a lot of, you know, just kind of personal feelings about, you know, we didn't do enough for her. We don't know enough about this. Like we should have done more. We could have done more. Um, But really, you know, it was me, it was my personal journey. And it's something that I had to go through. And, you know, once I kind of came out of the hospital and was starting to think about, you know, what I wanted, I began to look for, for people that would understand me. And I think moving from that place where I felt like I was the only one going through something to understanding that there was a bigger community, that there were other people out there who were feeling the same things, going through the same things, doing the same things. I mean, all these things I thought were like my little dirty secret. Like it's like, oh, you do that too? I I can't even believe it because, you know, my peers at school, no one had diabetes. Um, actually, I shouldn't say that. A girl that was in my friend circle, she did end up getting uh, diabetes about a month after uh, I did. And that also wasn't an easy thing to deal with because she had a mother who was a nurse and she had this like beautiful honeymoon period where it was really easy for her to manage her diabetes. And she never struggled in the way, um, to my knowledge that I struggled with. And, you know, I don't, I don't know her. She's not necessarily part of the diabetes community. I'm always wondering, I'm like, will that girl ever show up at like one of these meetings or, and you know, that would be really interesting, but, um, 
to my knowledge, she's not part of the diabetes community, but you know, we, it just shows you like we all move through this in different ways. And once I found the people that understood what I was going through, it became a lot easier to move forward. And, you know, I really have that desire to help other people. So when I started to get into a a good stride with taking care of my blood sugars and kind of exploring what I needed to do with my diet and with exercise and, you know, opening up to more creativity and spirituality and getting back to the things that make life really exciting, you know, it gave me that space to begin to serve others. And I started going into the Facebook groups and offering my support and my advice and holding space for other people that needed that um, as well. And that was one of the things that really helped me to get through. You know, they always say like when you're having a hard time or you're struggling with something, look to help somebody else. And in turn, like you're going to help yourself. And for me, that was so true. And it's really what has carried me along is, is being in service of others. And, um, again, bringing people together. Um, that's something that's been really important to me over the years. Yeah. That's so awesome. So was it, did you just know to like look on Facebook? Like how did you find that those people and that support at the time? I do think it was my intuition that guided me there. And that's another thing is, you know, becoming quiet and kind of listening to those things inside of ourselves. And it's almost like magical. I can't even pinpoint like I, I, it's so weird. I just got like kind of goosebumpies too, like being like, it's like so funny to think about. It's like, how, how did I find the group? How did I find those beautiful people that became some of my best friends? Some of these women that I connected with all those years ago, nearly 10 years ago now are still my close friends. And we've been through so much. And there is a core group of us that really found recovery together at the same time. And, you know, I've watched some of these particular women, you know, move through, you know, nursing school, and now they're, you know, a CDE, and they're working at these major hospitals. And I've seen um, some of them have babies. And at the same time, you know, we've lost some of them. You know, some of these women have passed away. And, you know, it's, it just shows you that, you know, every day is precious. And you never know when that time's going to come, that's going to be your time to leave this earth. And so just kind of, you know, reveling in every beautiful moment and finding gratitude for the present day that you're in and and the blessings that you have in your life. um, That's definitely one of the lessons that this whole experience has taught me is that, you know, we aren't promised tomorrow. What we're promised is right here and right now. So we have to show up within our life, um, wherever we are and however we are and just Mm -hmm. along the way. Mm, I love that. And something you said before was like with the whole control thing when, with diabulimia and just all that. And do you ever find that with diabetes, it's like, I don't know, it's almost like a, a lack of control in a way. Like my mom was talking to, I don't know who it was, but she was like, oh, maybe in, in Taja's past life, she was like a super controlling person or something. So like in this lifetime, she has to learn to like let go or something. It was something along those lines. But it's almost like, I don't know, do you find that with diabetes in general, that we have a more tendency to like have that lesson Absolutely. Definitely. Because our lives are so much about control, like blood sugar control, you know, I did, I guess language is really important and and that can also help, you know, people to identify with, you know, how they want to approach their diabetes. You know, some people are comfortable with referring to it as blood sugar control, or some people want to call it blood sugar management. You know, there's, there's all different ways to kind of view it, but at the end of the day, it's, it's taking care of ourselves and it is important for us to be cognizant of where, where we're at, where we're going, how, how we're going to get there, maybe why something happened. 
but at the same time, finding balance there and understanding that like, it's okay to not know because sometimes we're not going to know why we have a high blood sugar. We're not going to know why we went low and we can, you know, wonder and question and ask ourselves why, why, why. But the thing is, is that some things are just not going to be known and, and that's okay too. So just kind of finding that place, um, of acceptance and, and, um, just letting go of it all. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then that's so interesting. Okay. So you, cause you're Libra, like a lot of Libra and then you went through all of those experiences and now you have these amazing groups where you sort of are like really focused on peer support, right? That's yeah. so interesting how, I mean, it kind of fits with like who you are in a way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was those experiences with di- diabolemia and the peer support that I found online that inspired me. You know, I was, I was loving these conversations online that, you know, in 2013, I decided to start a support group for women in person. So in my local area, getting women together once a month to talk about these different things that we were going through as women with diabetes, I was really craving that in-person connection. And um, it's something that I'm craving now, once again, now that we've been separated for so long. But, um, you know, things like Zoom and, and all these different Facebook groups have been a great way to stay in touch with people and to continue to foster that sense of community, even though we might not be able to get together in that same way. Yeah. I wonder when we'll be able to just pick up where we left off, you know, with I those know. in-person experiences. I know. <laughs> I'm missing, amazing. I'm especially missing, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Connected in Motion, the Canadian nonprofit, but have you ever, have you ever no. heard of them? So Connected in Motion yeah. is this really great nonprofit um, out of Canada that they actually started bringing some of their programs into the United States a couple years ago. Uh, so they run a uh, camp called Slipstream. And so you, it's basically a diabetes camp for adults. So they are uh, hosting a virtual Slipstream at the end of April. So I think it's the weekend of the 22nd, maybe through the 25th. I'm probably getting the dates wrong there, but it's uh, several days and it's virtual, um, of course, because we can't be together in real life, but, um, they're trying to bring, you know, what we've all experienced at these diabetes camps for, for grownups, um, into the online space. And and that's really beautiful. And, you know, I've been able to share yoga, uh, during these virtual slipstreams. And I was really lucky to share yoga at their camp in Maine a few years ago, right on the the morning, waking up in the cabin. And, uh, I was, um, Paloma glitter glucose and, um, so many of the other, um, people that you might know from the community, but it's, um, it's really fun. It's fun to, to be a kid again at camp and to have, especially like for me, I was diagnosed with 15. Like I never got to go to diabetes camp because I thought I was too old to do that. And I was too busy doing things in the summer working and spending time with my other friends and whatever. So, um, I really love that they have these programs and opportunities, you know, they, they lead hiking trips, um, during the summers, usually, um, really big hiking trips where they go out into the wilderness for like 10 days and they are showing people that you can be empowered with diabetes that it doesn't have to hold you back from, from different things, especially those um, really fun outdoorsy kind of activities like kayaking or, you know, at camp um, that I went to in Maine, there was, you know, like a zip line into the lake and, you know, just all these really fun uh, ropes courses and, you know, arts and crafts and cooking. Yeah. That's so fun. fun. How many days, is it always 10 days or does it just? So the slipstreams are just weekend long experiences. So it's okay. just... And it's called, it's slipstream. I was like, is it slip or flip? <laughs> so slipstream. So it's actually, um, the, okay. they say that it's a um, cycling term. So 
when, and I'm not a, a cyclist, so I hope that I don't butcher this right now, but um, when you're riding um, with several other people on bicycles, they say that if you ride really closely together, um, you can get into this like slipstream is what it's called, where um, the group kind of carries you forward, the the, the energy. It's probably very sciencey and very physics related, which is not. But I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really cool. They're great. That's so, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then, so, okay, so you have your, the one group, which is you do Zooms now, right? Yes. Every yes. week. So, so I, I actually um, started um, hosting online meetups before COVID. So it was about a year before um, everything happened. Um, I started hosting something called Grace and Growth because I wanted to provide a space where people could explore spiritual wellness you know, I am a holistic health coach. Mm-hmm. I did study nutrition. I have an interest in fitness and, um, you know, those things that sometimes relate more to the physical body. But I saw that there was this need for us to start to have these kind of deeper conversations about astrology or about mindfulness and meditation and yoga mm-hmm. and um, and also getting into some of the more difficult conversations as well. You know, things like um, complications. You know, I live with gastroparesis. Mm-hmm. I have neuropathy. Um, what? Yeah. What is gastroparesis? So gastroparesis, it's actually, now I'm seeing it come up so much more in our community. So that's why um, I think it's so important to talk about, but it's um, damage to the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is in charge of so many different things within our body. But one of the things that it controls is our gastric emptying. So when you have nerve damage from diabetes, you might experience neuropathy, you might experience retinopathy, you might have damage to your kidneys. But you could also have damage um, to the motility of your digestion. So it, it, it basically means paralyzed stomach. So as someone with gastroparesis, I don't digest food properly. It's not, um, it's not very fun. Um, it's chronic nausea and vomiting. It's like having morning sickness for the rest of your life. But it also doesn't have to be as bad as it sounds. And that's what I've kind of learned through some of the different dietary choices that I've started to make over the years. And um, again, it's not, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm now eating this one thing, I'm going to feel good every single day. It's really asking myself each and every day, what do I need? What's going to make me feel good? much like what we should be doing with diabetes anyways, you know, we should be open Mm -hmm. to changes. And you know, we're not going to stay the same people forever. So, um, you know, yoga, that was one of the things that helped me the most. And it's actually what inspired me to become a yoga teacher. You know, I'm not, I'm not someone that can do all the postures. I'm not like, <laughs> I can't do like handstands and headstands. I can, I can tell you how to do them and to lead you through them safely. Yeah. But, but you know, it's not actually something that I can do myself without, you know, maybe the help of uh, props or a wall or something like that. Um, so for me, you know, starting to teach yoga was more about showing people one of the things that really helped me through my complications and, Um, not just like the physical complications, but also some of the mental stuff, you know, learning to let go, um, of maybe the things that I can't do like headstands and handstands Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And, and being okay with just being myself and allowing myself to show up on my mat or within my life as I am and just having love for that each and every day. That's so awesome. And then, so you are, you do meditation too, right? Yeah. Did, was that something that you used to like help you get through all of the complications and burnout and everything at the time? Definitely. I've, um, yeah. I've always felt kind of spiritual and connected to all that sort of stuff. And I think that's, what's kind of nice about what I've gone through in life is that 
the farther I get along and the more I look back, it is like kind of coming home to myself. I'm like, this is me. This Mm -hmm. is, and this has always been me. And it's really beautiful that there is a lot more interest in some of these uh, different practices like mindfulness and meditation. And, you know, I know that um, there are so many people out there who want to get more into this sort of thing. And, and, you know, some of the apps that are out there are really wonderful. Um, The insight timer is one of the apps that uh, I always recommend to people. And, you know, people are recording guided meditations and sharing those, but I love uh, finding community. So having a meditation experience, especially with other people with diabetes is so powerful to me. And um, it's been really fun. So on Wednesday nights, I lead the group for women that we call the garden, which is kind of just an opportunity to get together and to chat about, you know, we, we call it roses and thorns, which I know is um, something that's, uh, you know, shows up in, on other podcasts and in other places. Um, it's just this idea of sharing, you know, the rose of the week, the thing that's really been the best part of your week, maybe. And then the thorn, because we know like every rose has a thorn and um, with, you know, life, it's like, we're going to have things that are challenging to us. And, you know, people can share um, things that are diabetes related. You can share things that are not diabetes related. And so that's um, at 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. And then after we call that the garden, after that is um, our diabetes sangha. And sangha is, um, is a Sanskrit word for community. And so coming together with other people that are living with diabetes or uh, diabetes adjacent, as it's called. Um, so anyone that loves anyone with diabetes or has a connection um, is encouraged to show up to these meetings. And it's just a chance to kind of tune in to a beautiful meditation and to see, you know, what's going on within yourself. And then we have um, an opportunity to share maybe what came up for you. So um, that's on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, 9 p.m. Okay, and then it starts at 7 Yeah, and that part is at 9. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll link to it in the show notes. I want to come. Anytime. (laughs) I know you mentioned it on the clubhouse. Yeah. 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 And it's all free. So it's just this free opportunity. You know, you don't have to be a member. You don't have to sign up necessarily for anything. You can just show up and and there's no pressure for either of those meetings, um, the garden or the diabetes sangha. You know, it's come as you are when you can, if you'd like to, and um, definitely bring anyone along that you think would benefit from it as well. Okay, cool. That's so awesome. So I feel like you're doing so many cool things in the community, which is so amazing. <laughs> um, and then so what, like, with your doula training, because you're already doing all of these amazing wellness things, but what inspired the doula p- portion for? So for me, I've it's been a few years since I graduated from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and I've kind of tried on a few different hats in relation to um, what I thought I wanted to do within this diabetes community. And you know, for the last um, almost eight years, I, I had a full-time job. I was working um, actually at a baby stroller company, which is pretty funny that it's now kind of That's so fun. kind of coming back to being a doula. I'm like, there was a reason there. I know I always feel like, this is weird. Why am I here? Because like, I just had like, you know, an administration kind of type job where I was doing office work, not, not really anything um, in relation to these things that I love so much, except I did have the opportunity in that corporate setting to teach people yoga and meditation um, after work, which was really fun. And I really liked being able to do that. And it was just another reminder that like, that's where, what I want to be doing. You know, I want to be um, sharing these things with people. And so as far as coming to this place where I'm pursuing becoming a full spectrum doula, which is someone that um, wants to help people with, um, reproductive health, uh, the birthing experience, and then also the postpartum experience. So it's really um, comprehensive of, of all those aspects of uh, reproductive health. 
I, you know, like I said, I've had experiences myself, um, losing my menstrual cycle, um, wondering if I'd ever have the opportunity to become a mother. I really feel like, especially with all these complications that I've been through and all these things that I've already been able to work on, um, in regards to my physical health and my mental health and my spiritual health, I do feel like I can be an asset for people that maybe have had similar experiences. And so for me, you know, I love that there are so many people out there who are are coaches and are helping people like yourself with like fitness and weight loss and starting to incorporate, um, you know, a, a fitness routine. I even, I signed up for, um, a personal training program a few years ago that I, I never even completed because I was like, I didn't feel like it was my, my thing. I was like, okay, so I want to do, yeah. I guess I'll become a personal trainer because <laughs> I think that will help people. And while I was doing the program was actually when I was struggling the most with my retinopathy and I couldn't read, I couldn't read the textbooks. And at the time too, I was actually kind of fearful of going to the gym and lifting weights because I didn't know how it might affect the retinopathy. And I was scared and I didn't have all the tools um, to make myself feel supported. And, you know, in the end, it, it ended the, it ended up being kind of really a good thing that I didn't kind of go through with that because it still made me ask questions. What am I supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be a coach? And am I supposed to be doing this? And, you know, I have an interest in, in cannabis for wellness and I was kind of shifting gears for a little while. Um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll help people with cannabis and, you know, I still love to do that. And I still want that to be something that I talk about within these things that I do. Um, but it's not everything. And I do feel like helping people with, um, kind of the, spiritual and emotional aspect of, you know, becoming parents is what I really hope to do by being a doula, you know, allowing people to feel like they're supported and, you know, reminding people of their own autonomy, that it's about having choices. And it's, it's not my place to make the choice for you, but kind of presenting some of the options that are out there for people and supporting people along the way and making sure people feel like, they have connections to the resources that they need to make those decisions for themselves. And at the end of the day, just empowering people to live their best lives. And hopefully that will allow some really healthy, happy babies to be born. And then that's going to make the world a better place yeah. because there's going to be families that feel like they have the tools and um, whatever it is that they need to uh, raise these children in the best way possible for themselves. That's so amazing. And I love how, cause I don't, I don't think that there is just one thing for anyone to do, you know, like I think it's so amazing to be able to like offer and like share so many of our experiences and things that you're doing, right? And then it's like, yeah, it's just so fun to see that you're doing all of these amazing things. And have you ever um, like read about human design? Oh, yeah. I'm a manifesting generator. So. I was gonna say you sound like a manifesting generator because my mom is one too and I was like trying to explain to her the other day I'm like you're meant to like be doing all of these amazing things like you don't have to just do one thing (laughs) permission to pivot and like that's what I've been trying to also let go of like okay well I said I was gonna do this and shouldn't I just keep doing that it's like no if you're your heart and soul is leading you in another direction. I mean, not to say that you shouldn't work towards things and have some sort of consistency or, you know, checking in with goals and having accountability, but, but also like being okay with letting things go that just don't light you up anymore. You know, there's, yeah, I've had podcasts that I've never released and I've talked about and different projects. And 
I'd make myself feel all guilty. Like, well, you said you were going to do that. And then you just didn't do it. People are going to think that's so weird. And like, they're not going to trust you. And it's like, well, if I'm not honoring myself, then they shouldn't trust me. So <laughs> I just yeah. going where these winds of, of life and change are carrying me. And um, yeah, definitely manifesting generator to my core. <laughs> that's so awesome. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you have a podcast too? So I, um, for a while was working on an astrology podcast, um, uh, a different podcast that was all about like chronic illness and healing. And I can't tell you how many episodes of different podcasts I've recorded and just never released, but I do have them all yeah. still. So I'm like, maybe one day these will be fun. You should. But, um, yeah. I do intend on having some sort of, um, doula related podcast, um, eventually, though, because mm-hmm. I do feel like you know, people, people get information in all different ways. And, you know, some people want to read blogs and some people want to sign up for programs and some people want to listen to podcasts. And so I think that, mm-hmm. um, I do have, um, a strong comfortability with, with speaking into a microphone and sharing my thoughts and ideas. And I can't imagine that that's not going to be down the road. And, um, yeah, um, yeah. entering this program and, and kind of seeing this vision for myself, it's been, it's been the most excited that I've ever been about anything that I've ever been trying to do. And I'm having such clarity that I know I'm like, this is what all those episodes of gemstone and hold fast healing that you shoved into your mental, you know, different spaces um, and never released for anyone to hear. Like you gain something from those and now you're going to be able to carry them forward. So, yeah. It's so cool seeing how everything is like, a stepping stone for something else, you know, like how it unfolds. It's like just looking back, it's like, oh, that makes total sense now. (laughs) That's so amazing. When you have kids, do you want to have them at home or do you want to have like a a hospital birth? Have you thought about that? I think in a different life, if I didn't have diabetes and other things going on, Mm -hmm. I think a home birth experience beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but I think being a person with diabetes and just wanting to make sure that, you know, I'm taken care of and having all the different like resources that I might need and, you know, that the baby would be okay. And, you know, I, I do have a partner that loves me very much. And I know that it would probably bring him a lot of peace of mind if we were in a hospital setting. Yeah. Um, that seems to be um, maybe the best choice for me. But no, that's also one of the reasons why I think it's important for people to seek out the different support systems that would help them to feel the best about their birthing experience. Because, you know, I have spent a lot of time in the hospital and I do have some trauma surrounding that. Um, I do have some trust issues when it comes to medical professionals. And I don't think that mm-hmm. they always know the best ways to take care of people living with type 1 diabetes. And there is a lot of ignorance and there is a lot of misunderstanding. And there is a lot of um, times when your autonomy is taken away from you when they don't want you to have your pump and when they don't want you to be using a CGM and they, they want to have the control. And, you know, that's what I hope to offer people um, as I become a doula, especially is, you know, I want to be able to be present for people with diabetes when they're having that hospital birthing experience and, you know, bringing together, you know, the nurses and the doctors and reminding them that, you know, we're a team here and we're taking care of this birthing person and this family. And, you know, this person really feels it's important to have their CGM and this person really wants to keep their pump Mm -hmm. on. And, you know, this person wants to, you know, make sure that, um, you know, that they're, that they're taking care of once the baby is born, everyone's focusing on the baby and it's like, okay, well, like let's focus again on this birthing person and what do they need? And, you know, how's their blood sugar doing? And, 
Uh, I've just been in so many situations that like, I know people that have been in the hospital themselves would understand, but if you haven't been hospitalized, you might not know how scary Mm -hmm. it would be to be a person with type one in the hospital. It's just, I I try to laugh at it all. I made it through, so I'm here. It's okay, but, um, it's so interesting you say, you say that because my when I had to get my appendix out a few years ago, my doctor specifically said she was like, whatever happens, make sure they do not take your pump. She's like, if they have a problem, tell them to call me. And I was like, okay, but it was fine. But I'm just like the the like you having to tell me that too is just like crazy. <laughs> but it is, it happens. Yeah. And, you know, uh, some of us are, are so lucky to have um, family, whether it's our partner that we might be choosing to bring into the hospital setting or, you know, if we're lucky to have parents or siblings or friends, you know, but these people, you know, they are wanting to focus on you, the person, right? So they might not be mm-hmm. as aware of your diabetes experience. And so, you know, for me to be a doula for people with diabetes, that's going to allow me to, um, just be that point person when it comes to like, okay, not only do I know about all these, you know, birthing related things and all this other type of care related things, but I know about your diabetes and I've been where you are and I know what to say and how to say it. And, you know, I can put a Dexcom back on you or, you know, put a new Mm -hmm. pod on or a different pump site and I can help you troubleshoot those things as well. I think that that's, um, really valuable for people. And it gives people a peace of mind at the end of the day as well to have that kind of support. Yeah. Like so comforting to know that like, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you said, um, for cannabis. So tell me about that because it's interesting. I was talking to my endocrinologist, I think it was like a year ago and she, she was like, do you smoke weed? And I was like, sometimes but like not all the time because it just makes me sleepy and she's like okay well just want you to know like she's very open-minded I love her which is the first doctor that I've ever had that's very like okay we'll do it how you want to do it but um she was like if you for people that like take too much or something you can go into diabetic ketoacidosis which I never heard before but have you heard that I feel like this doctor might have some misinformation. Um, I'd like to see whatever study that she read that is supporting that. Um, Uh Unfortunately, the reality of cannabis and wellness is that uh, we don't have a lot of research studies that are out there because of the fact that it has been so stigmatized and um, that it isn't supported at a federal level. So that funding just simply isn't there Mm -hmm. for the type of research that we, that we may want to see. But you know, for me, you know, choosing to use cannabis has um, been really important, especially when it came to my experiences with diabetes complications. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, when I was diagnosed with gastroparesis, they uh, wanted me to be on a feeding tube. Eventually, you know, I had lost so much weight, I wasn't able to eat. And um, the medications that they wanted me to take did not feel good within my body. And, you know, I am someone that has that strong connection to my intuition. And I, I'm glad that there are parts of me that are a little defiant to authority uh, because I listened to what was best for me. And uh, so when when I was facing the feeding tube, I was like, well, I already have diabetes. I don't want to be the person with a feeding tube. I mean, you know, God bless anybody that has a feeding tube out there. It's it's such a hard thing, I'm sure, to go through. But um, I felt like there was another option for me, and that was choosing to use cannabis because I had actually used cannabis uh, recreationally since I was six, mm-hmm. 16, 17 years old was when I first started smoking uh, cannabis because um, I didn't want to drink. I was too scared with my diabetes to explore drinking 
because I didn't know how to manage my diabetes when under the influence of alcohol. And so again, coming back to that idea of control, like I really wanted to be in control of myself and using cannabis was something that allowed me to feel like I still had, you know, my wits about me in many ways. I know everyone's experience with weed is different. Some people, you know, eat an edible and they feel like they're on a different planet. And, you know, that was never me. So, um, being comfortable with cannabis was important. That was kind of the first thing that allowed me to see it as, um, a vehicle for wellness. And so kind of shifting my mindset around, you know, what cannabis meant to me within my own life. And, and I had been using cannabis for wellness for many years. And, and I think people that think of themselves as recreational users might not see how it actually is a way to wellness for them. You know, even if it's just allowing themselves to, to relax and to just kind of unwind, you know, that's Mm -hmm. really important for our, our wellness. And, um, you know, for me, like it allowed me to start eating again. It allowed me to start moving my body again and moving forward. I also felt really confident that I could use it instead of these pharmaceutical drugs that they were giving me. And I get a lot of mistrust with some of the experience I had, um, you know, being in the hospital and, you know, being given, um, opioids for some of the leg pain that I was going through because, um, when I was recovering from diabulimia and burnout, I dropped my A1C really quickly. I was at my highest, I was at about an 18, um, for my A1C, which is, I mean, even people with type one, their jaws will drop when you say that to them, like, how, how are you alive? And I'm like, that's right. How am I alive? Well, here I am. And it's a reminder of how resilient our bodies are. Like we can really push ourselves to the limit. Um, but what's really important for us is to realize that we can't do an- anything too quickly. Like whether your goal is to, to lower your A1C or if you want to lose weight, like whatever your priority might be, like doing something quickly isn't always the best way to do it. Slow and steady, um, finding balance and bringing yourself, you know, down from that high A1C to a lower A1C is really important because if you don't, you're going to end up with some of the complications that you may have been trying to avoid. And that's what happened to me. So the different medications they were giving to me just weren't really helping me. And, um, I decided to take, take back the power and started smoking weed outside on the deck while my parents went to bed and suddenly I'm eating again and I'm putting on the weight that the doctors want to see. And I'm like, and I was too afraid to say anything because, you know, even up until like the last like year or two, like, um, I've had experiences in the hospital where like they find out that you use cannabis and now they're trying to convince you that, the reason why you're throwing up so much is because of cannabis, which it, it can be true for some people. So there is a condition known as um, cannabis hyperemesis syndrome, uh, but that wasn't what was happening to me. So I still had to listen to my own intuition and not to say that you shouldn't listen to healthcare providers or doctors, but it's also important to get a second opinion or a third opinion and to really seek out the answers that that are you feel are right for you. Um, because for me, you know, cannabis has helped me move through so many of the different, different challenges that I've had with my physical health. And so, you know, getting my appetite back and being able to, um, use cannabis so that I could, you know, show up and teach yoga classes or get myself out of bed in the morning and go to work and just be a productive member of society. Like I wanted to be, you know, it's, it's really helped me, um, a lot with that. And, you know, my husband actually is a manager at a medicinal dispensary in Massachusetts. And so, you know, he's leading a team of people that are really passionate about cannabis for wellness. And we've seen the impact that it's made even just on our local community and, and the different people that he gets to uh, be with each and every day, you know, of all age ranges, you know, you've got people that are, are young people like ourselves, and then you've got people like in their 80s and 90s who are coming in and, and they're treating all sorts of conditions, whether it's 
you know, anxiety where, you know, CBD might be the best option um, or, you know, people that have cancer that are coming in. And there's actually even been pediatric patients that have been able to get access to cannabis through their healthcare providers that these parents are coming in and saying, like, thank you for being here. Thank you for having these, these beautiful, safe products. And I think that's why it's so important that, you know, we continue to move forward with cannabis for wellness, because, you know, for me in the beginning, like the way I was accessing cannabis was, you know, I had a guy, right. I had a number on my phone and a guy Mm -hmm. I'd go see and like, that's all well and good, but it's like, you know, now I don't have to go and sit and play Xbox for 20 minutes <laughs> in order to get my medicine. I can, yeah. I can go and show up at a dispensary where I know things are being tested by a third party for, you know, different contaminants and, and for mold. And, and you can actually start to identify some of the specific compounds that are within cannabis. And what's so beautiful is that, you know, cannabis does contain so many different cannabinoids and that's what they're called um, that do so many different things and so you can start to see these cannabinoid profiles and you can start to learn more about your own body and even the um, experience of exploring uh, terpenes which is basically like essential oils so if you're someone that has an essential oil diffuser in and you know that when you use lavender like it gives you a certain experience and when you use some kind of like lemon or citrus like that can really uh, you know invigorate you and um you know, these different terpenes are also found within different strains of cannabis. And so seeing how, you know, you can merge different terpenes and different cannabinoids so that you could take care of some of the ailments that you have. Um, it's just beautiful. And I think that people at the end of the day deserve to have options and they deserve to have education surrounding the different things that might mm-hmm. be able to help them. Uh, so, you know, for me, my relationship to cannabis has changed and has shifted, which is also one of the reasons why I'm kind of seeing that bigger picture for what I want to do, because for a few years, like I really relied a lot more on cannabis than I do now. Um, I've been able to kind of lessen how much cannabis I need to be using, but also having an understanding of the endocannabinoid system, which is the system in our body that kind of creates homeostasis and balance. You know, there are ways to support that system that don't involve using cannabis or, you know, packing a bong or using RSO, which is Rick Simpson oil or a tincture or eating an edible. And, um, you know, you can incorporate, you know, things like chia seeds or flax seeds or hemp seeds, and that's going to help to support that same endocannabinoid system based on some of the nutritional choices that you might be making. And um, it's all just really fascinating. And I'm, I'm really excited to see where the research does go, because, you know, even just mm-hmm. the limited studies that are available now, like, when I was diagnosed with retinopathy, the first thing I did was I have this thing called the Cannabis Health Index. And it's this really thick kind of like encyclopedia style book where you can any ailment that you might have, whether it's um, diabetes or hypothyroidism, which I'm also living with now, or, you know, a headache, like you look it up in this index and it actually gives you the the specific uh, research studies that have kind of addressed some of the issues surrounding those conditions. And one of the first things that I read about retinopathy was that CBD is something that was shown based on these studies to reduce retinal oxidative stress. And so for me, finding that out was really, it felt empowering because I felt like I had something that was already part of my toolkit that was going to help me. And so I knew that, yes, I needed to make sure that I was managing my blood sugar and staying in range as much as possible, but it allowed me to really see a benefit for incorporating even more CBD into my day-to-day routine. And, you know, I went back to the eye doctor after, you know, I missed my appointment last March because of um, all the lockdowns and everything, but, um, I went this year and there are no more bleeds in my eyes. 
And I don't want to say that it's, oh, the cannabis did it and the CBD cured me. And, but I can't help but think that that played a significant role in the reduction of the oxidative stress that was causing those retinal bleeds. And so for me, you know, I just, that's amazing, right. It's so, it's so crazy. It's so exciting. And I think it's wrong to rob people of that experience and of that option. So again, coming back to that, that conversation about options and coming back to that conversation about empowerment and, and autonomy and, you know, making people feel like that they can make the choice that's best for them, you know, putting the options on the table and saying like, what is your priority when it comes to your health? Like, what are you hoping to address? And how are you feeling about these options and and what's your comfort level about getting there if we do choose this option, you know? Um, so just being that resource for people, you know, I'm, I'm still, um, you know, I was practicing as an integrative cannabis coach. That's what I was kind of calling it for a little while and coaching people through these experiences, especially in relation to diabetes complications. Um, I'm still happy to be that resource for people. And, and I do have friends who are are in the cannabis space and the education space, um, who might not live with diabetes, but do have a lot of knowledge surrounding these things. Um, my friend Heather, she's got this great, um, blog and podcast. It's the bud and blossom podcast and blog. And she is so special. She lives in Tacoma um, and she's our age too. So she's really cool. Uh, Cause awesome. she's like 30. So she's like so cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, you know, she's been through so many things and she's used cannabis to, um, you know, work through some of the mental health things that she's gone through in regards to, um, you know, just the different life experiences that she has had as well. So um, I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah. And it's so, it's so interesting. Cause like, I'm sure you felt this way too when you were a kid, but it's like, I mean, I never felt like I had to hide it from my parents. Cause they were always very, like, they've always smoked weed, <laughs> but from <laughs> just society and like that, I felt like it was very, like, there was a time when my mom would even be like, Oh, like, here's a joint. And I'd be like, no, I'm good. Cause, cause my parents smoked it. I was like, well, I don't want to, you know, like it was that like kind of thing. But I just – there were so many – the stigma around like, oh, well, it's illegal. Like you can't do this. And then it's like it has so many amazing properties that are so important that maybe people don't really consider at all because they've grown up their whole life just being against it. Or Like I, I have one – I know one person who her brother, what he – started getting addicted to other stuff and in her mind it was like well because he started smoking weed so that was like the gateway that led to other things so it's like but it's just it's not the case for everyone (laughs) so absolutely yeah and I think it's almost irresponsible to try to blame anyone's experience or anyone's addiction or anyone's kind of trauma on um a plant it seems seems a little sad um that that's how it is but I think that moving forward, I think there'll be a lot of opportunities for more education and, and for more studies. And, you know, the truth of it is, is that, you know, the the medical school programs in the country don't even teach about the endocannabinoid system, which is the system that controls mm-hmm. everything within the body. So, you know, for me, like I try to have compassion and hold space for these medical professionals who have gone through all this training. You know, I'd be pretty mad if I went through all that school and basically not was lied to, but was in many ways misled about what the reality of health and wellness actually is and, and how, you know, a certain plant can really be so helpful or how important a particular system within the body really is. And, um, you know, I think that in the future, there might be more opportunities for these doctors and uh, these professionals to be trained and educated themselves because, you know, at this point too, like, you know, these, these 
providers don't even have all the answers yet themselves. And so it really, Mm -hmm. um, it's such a weird space to be in. And and I think that that's what I found challenging about maybe wanting to coach people through using cannabis was because, you know, I'm not a medical professional. I don't have any kind of training as a doctor or even as a nurse. And, um, especially when, you know, we were working with people with diabetes, like there are other conditions that people are showing up with. There are, are other complications, you know, people might have damage to other organs and other things to consider. So, you know, on the surface level, um, I feel comfortable, you know, speaking about my personal experiences and pointing people to resources and, and different things like that. But at the end of the day, it's like, you can't just seek out knowledge from one place. You really have to start to ask questions in all different kinds of spaces and with all different kinds of people and professionals so that you can find out what's best for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. And then do, how do you find smoking or just in t- like cannabis in general, however you take it, how does that affect your blood sugars or does it? So it definitely, um, for me, I would say lowers my blood sugar, um, when I choose to use cannabis. And I think that that's one of the benefits wearing a CGM has, you know, once I started wearing Dexcom and seeing the changes in my blood sugar in real time, you know, I'd be, you know, at the time he was my boyfriend, now my husband, but, you know, we'd be, you know, smoking a joint or, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden I'd be going low. Right. And so I'd be like, there's a correlation here. Like it's absolutely happening. And, and so I don't think that, um, by itself, I don't think cannabis is like lowering our blood sugar necessarily, but I do think Mm -hmm. it increases insulin sensitivity. So I think that's the important distinction to make is like, you know, we still need our insulin. We still need to exercise, but cannabis can be a tool that allows us to increase that insulin sensitivity. And, um, you know, in the same way, like cannabis might be the thing that relieves you of some of the joint pain or, you know, it, uh, CBD, the cannabinoid CBD, you know, that's, lowering inflammation within the body. And so maybe making it easier to move or again, helping with that insulin sensitivity. So, um, I definitely find that my blood sugar drops, um, when I'm using cannabis, but again, it's important to be honest about our experiences and to be curious about what's going on because, you know, there are people that will tell you, well, you know, people with, with, um, cannabis use and diabetes, like they go into DKA. Well, that's because they might not be mindful of the choices that they make after they use cannabis. You know, Mm. it it can stimulate your appetite and it can cause you to maybe not be as present and as mindful of what you might be consuming. And so, you know, you're going to sit down with a bag of chips and you're going to end up with a high blood sugar. And I think that's an important thing. So, you know, again, incorporating other uh, tools and and different things like mindfulness and um, again, just staying curious about how things are happening within your own body and and being okay with, um, you know, not seeing the same result every single time. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that, uh, relates being somewhat type one diabetes to being a cannabis patient. And and I've used this in some of the talks that I've given. So I I do work with some of the local dispensaries and within uh, the cannabis culture within Massachusetts, especially, especially, um, over the last few years, speaking about how cannabis relates to type one, you know, becoming a cannabis patient, like you're given, at least in Massachusetts, this, this is the way it works. You're given a certain um, a, amount of cannabis that you can purchase, and you're given that prescription basically, and you're sent on your merry way. Like there's no one there to to hold your hand through every decision that you might have to make throughout the day. Which it's kind of like having t- type one diabetes, and you know you get a couple mm-hmm. vials of insulin, and you're kind of told like what your ratios might be and what to do and when to do it. But at the same time, like each and every step of the way, like a lot of that decision-making is coming down to you. 
And there are so many variables to consider, you know, am I going to exercise? Like, you know, am I, what part of my menstrual cycle am I in right now? You know, there's just so many things to consider. And so I see, you know, the skills that I've gained as a type one diabetic, definitely helping me when it comes to being a cannabis patient, because I do feel empowered to make these decisions and to remain curious about what's happening and why it's happening and what, what should I do next? Yeah. And you build so much, so much awareness, right? Like just in every aspect, Yeah, which is so amazing. Have you ever, um, microdosed with psilocybin? I've, um, I've, I've microdosed and I've, <laughs> I've macrodosed, I would say. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, it's been, a, it's actually been a little bit, uh, especially, you know, with, with the whole like global pandemic and stuff, I was like, I don't know yeah. if I'm ready to go back to that place again. But, um, I will tell you a funny story about going to my endocrinologist appointment uh, after um, a summer of, of mushrooms, I would say, you know, my partner yeah. and I, I mean, even just on like a spiritual and a, like a relationship level, um, you know, we got married about a month ago, but we joke. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> I love being married. He's my best friend. So it's like yeah. just so awesome. And I'm really lucky to have someone like him. But, um, you know, we were joking. We were like, we got married in the woods on mushrooms like a couple summers ago, you know, it was like, that's when we really like <laughs> formed that bond and that union. But, um, you know, I actually yeah. went to my endocrinologist and, um, she pointed out a few dates and because we had been eating psilocybin, uh, on the full moons, I could like pinpoint mm-hmm. exactly like the dates that she was pointing out. Cause I was like, Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's looking at my data and she says to me, you know, I don't know what you were doing on this date, this date, this date, and that date, but whatever you were doing, you should keep doing that because your blood sugars were really good. And I was like, I don't have the heart to tell this woman that I was ingesting psilocybin in the woods. Like, and it was, were you micro or macro? Um, I would say that those experiences range from having, um, like a gram to maybe like an eighth to, um, we actually did the, um, the Terrence McKenna full five gram in the dark of the woods experience as well, which, I yeah. think once is enough for me with that. <laughs> um, that was yeah. a lot, but um, I am, you know, just kind of circling back to like responsible use and everything uh, because yeah. these are substances that can definitely alter your mind and um, you want to feel the most supported. So um, I can't wait to see what comes forward with, um, you know, the research with microdosing. And um, I'm sure you're mm-hmm. familiar with MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. No. Okay. I'm not. So math is a great resource and, and that's um, where I'd like to direct people to check out some more information. Um, again, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, and that's um, founded by uh, Rick Doblin and he um, and his team and the people that he works with are just providing so much information and so much support for people surrounding um, psychedelics and um, wellness and just, oh, I'm so excited for the future because that's amazing. Mushrooms yeah. are awesome. All different mushrooms, not just these yeah. psychedelic ones, you know, Reiki, Shaka, yeah, Lion's right. Mane, and it's like, you know, the earth has these things that are naturally here that are meant to help us. And, you know, there are all sorts mm-hmm. of different um, cultures and different um, communities that have been using plant medicine and things from the earth for, for so many years. And um, it's also important that we, that we learn from those um, spaces and that we also have a reverence and a respect for all, all the different traditions and stuff that are out there as well. So um, again, finding balance through all of this for sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. But that's so interesting because I started like 
microdosing last summer and my boyfriend, so because we were separated for eight months when the pandemic started, I was in Costa Rica, he was in LA and then the border closed. So I was here visiting my mom. Um, but we both, start, we were like microdosing. Um, and then when I got home, he had bought like a scale and like he had it all like set up. So we continued and my blood sugars, every time I microdose, like I literally think of it as like nature's Adderall because yeah. just the effects of like that small amount, <laughs> you know, but my blood sugars are so perfect. I'm like, how is this possible? And like the first couple of times I was like, oh, it's probably just one of those days. Like I'm lucky. And yeah. then it's like, no, like I, fi- and then I posted on Instagram and some girl commented and she was like, that's what happens to me too. When I microdose. And I was like, this is so amazing. I'm so glad you brought this up because I, I haven't really got to talk about this with too many people. It, yeah. It, you know, I'm so comfortable talking about cannabis, but it's the psilocybin conversation that I'd still kind of tread lightly around. I'm like, okay, yeah. like, <laughs> like yeah. it's okay. Like, especially, you know, I do know that there are people that look to me as kind of an authority in some spaces for wellness. You know, I'm not obviously a medical professional, but I have done a lot of research and I have gone through programs that have given me a lot of, of knowledge and information. So I always want to make sure that, um, that I'm being a, a strong leader and a responsible leader. And so mm-hmm. I, I just tread lightly with these conversations and I, and I mm-hmm. am excited to, to get this feedback from somebody like you, who, you know, again, you're so curious about your own body and, and what works and what doesn't. And, um, that's really exciting to hear. I can't wait till there's more research and yeah. it becomes more mainstream. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And the beauty of like having a CGM, do you have a Dexcom? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like you can build so much more awareness of like what is going on and really know and then feel confident like how you do things. Right. I know. We should reach out to to maps together and be like, hey, the community really wants to know more. (laughs) But I'm sure so many people do, too. And it's not really talked about. Right. So, yeah, yeah, we totally should. (laughs) I'll be in a research trial. I love research studies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm trying to think. I know that w- what time is it? It's like an, over an hour already. It goes by so fast. But I've like so enjoyed this conversation and I was so excited to talk to you today. But I'm trying to think, is there anything else um, that we want to talk like cover that would be helpful to people um, before we wrap up the conversation? Yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like we've covered so much. And again, I just yeah. want to thank you for your time and the space to be able to to talk about these things that are so important to me. And, um, you know, I'm happy to talk anytime, anytime about any of the I know, astrology, I'm so cannabis, mushrooms, you know, all this good yes. stuff. Yes. It's like all <laughs> topics that I love. So I'm so excited that I got to actually talk to someone about it because I don't have a lot of friends that are into all the same things, you know, like I'll have a group of friends who do this or it's like over here, it's like here and there. and. Same. So it's so nice to connect with someone who's like just into it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my friend Heather, who I mentioned, who has the Bud and Blossom yeah. blog and podcast, um, she's also a really big fan of mushrooms as well. So um, you should tell me. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll send you her Instagram information and you can connect with her too because she's just, she's a love. I love her. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I could even link to her. Like I'll link to oh, yeah. um, your group in the show notes, but then and your Instagram. Yeah. And I could link to hers too, in case anyone else is like, I don't want to be left out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Heather's great. I'll I'll definitely give that to you so you can put that in the show notes. 
Okay. And then what is your group called again? It, I, the garden, right? Or is that part of so that's the Wednesday? Group? Yeah, that's the Wednesday night meetup. That's what we call that um, space. But um, the group okay. is called Grace and Growth. So um, at, um, Grace and Growth. it's just a Facebook group. So if people want to search for that, um, but again, I'll give you the link for that Facebook group as well. And, um, you know, there, there are, we do fun things in there too, that um, have nothing to do with, you know, meditation or spirituality. Like my friend, Lorna from Scotland, um, because it is an international group, you know, there's, there's women from all around the world, um, Australia, uh, the UK, uh, one of my friends is from Argentina. Uh, it's really, really fun. Uh, so Canada, cool. Canada too. Lots of Canadians that come, but, um, we do That's like awesome. virtual escape rooms sometimes that Lorna organizes. So, oh, really? Yeah. So if you like escape rooms and you want to like, you know, we were, I've never oh, done it's so one. Fun. Um, yeah, it's really fun. So I'll definitely, um, share that group as well. Yeah. Okay. How do you do that online? So like- with the, with the COVID shutdowns, these escape rooms that people were visiting in person, they created an online experience mm-hmm. where the person that works there kind of like walks around yeah. with a camera, like with their phone or whatever, your know, iPad maybe, ah. and you direct okay. them. And then, so you still get to like be in the rooms and like solve all ah. like the riddles and the puzzles and different things. And just like a kind of That's fun cool. way to connect with people and to have, you know, some virtual experiences until we can meet, meet again in person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool. That's awesome. And then your Instagram account is Plutonian. Yep. Plutonian. Yeah. Plutonian. Okay. And I'll link to that in the show notes. And then you have the other Instagram too that you just, did you just create the doula? Yes. And so this is like my first time sharing about my doula (laughs) training and this particular Instagram. I'm so excited for you. Yeah. And I'm excited that this is the space where I'm kind of like, you know, announcing it in in a way. Um, so people can also follow, uh, the diabetes doula. That's my uh, newer Instagram account where I'll be sharing more about the training that I'm going through and some of the resources and opportunities that I'll be providing to connect with me more about all of those services and things that I'm, I'm studying. So yeah, thank you. That's awesome. That's a perfect name too, the diabetes doula. It totally just like flows. It's perfect. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay, awesome. And then I'm sure yeah, I'll talk to you soon. And I'll do, are you on Clubhouse a lot? I um casually am on Clubhouse. It's there's a lot of energy on there and a lot of it's a lot going on. So I, I have been just kind of like uh, navigating quietly, but the Wednesday morning, um, it's morning, my time when you, when you all are speaking, um, I've loved tuning into that when I, when I see it pop up on my phone, but, um, yeah, I got to spend a little more time maybe on clubhouse. I know. I feel that the same way. It's such a cool platform, how it's audio only where you can like jump into different rooms and have you, um, have you heard of quilt? No. So it's similar to Clubhouse, but it's um it's a little bit more like the softer side of things. I've heard people describe it as okay. so it's there's like a lot of people who are into astrology and, and tarot and meditation oh, and that sort of thing. Cool. But it's the same kind of idea as Clubhouse. So um I've also been kind of interested heading on to quilt a little bit more to see what's going on there because um, yeah, like I said, Clubhouse has like so much energy going on, but you know, not that we yeah. need more apps to sign up for and be a part <laughs> of or anything, but like, well, right? I love options. So, you know, I'm on Quilt as well. Is Quilt a new app? I think it's a, it's a few months old or like almost a year old, but it's, um, okay. I don't think it's even remotely as big as clubhouse, but I have seen some of the different kind of wellness people starting to shift gears and to have, it's like, just, mm-hmm. it's like, um, going to the club, right. It's like one weekend, yeah. like that club is the popular club and everyone's <laughs> like, no, we don't go there anymore. We go to that one. And so, like, right. You know. It's so interesting how 
the our whole like world is just shifted into this virtual space. That's, you know, that all that Aquarian energy coming forward. And we are going to start to be a little bit more virtual, but that's why we also have to remember like how good it is to connect in real life. And hopefully we'll get that opportunity again to be together in in person and to, um, to feel that kind of embodiment of community in the physical presence, not just on these, these devices, but you know, in the meantime, it's so beautiful that we can stay connected and connected, not just to people within our own, you know, country, but around the world. And I think that that's, what's going to be really powerful for the diabetes community, especially is that, you know, more and more people are going to find the different resources and and the different um, avenues of support that we've been able to find. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of people too, it's like, if they can't find it, they're creating it age of Aquarius again, I guess. Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yep. Do you do astrology readings too? I do. I've been doing um, specifically sun, moon and rising readings um, for people. Um, so that's something that, you know, people could reach out to me. Um, I, I can provide that service as well. And, and I definitely have um, other people that I kind of point people to for um, some of the, the bigger, uh, more in-depth readings. And, and you know, I, I've been studying for so many years and it's like, I can't, I can't believe how much information is out there about astrology and um, my manifesting generator self, like if I, if I only liked astrology, maybe I could like really, you know, hone in and, and really like, you know, perfect that knowledge. But, um, I'm kind of like over here and over here. Uh, yeah. but whenever I have conversations about it, I realize how much I do know. And again, it's kind of like diabetes. It's like, you don't realize how much you've absorbed until you start to connect with other people. And you're like, wow, I actually do know a lot yeah. about this. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time too, it's like, just I know very little about astrology but I like have read books and stuff but um it's it reminded me of when you were saying that it's like astrology kind of is like diabetes too where it's just you're constant like you'll never know it all right yeah. like it's always you're always gonna be learning something yeah, absolutely cool yeah yeah okay awesome well I will link up to everything in the show notes yeah. and I will probably see you on Clubhouse oh, definitely. <laughs> before. I'll be there. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. And how can people c- connect with you? Like obviously Instagram is probably a good place, right? Yes. Yes. And they'll, I'll link to your Facebook group, but do you have any other, anything else that people can email me? Um, it's Sarah at holdfasthealing.com. And so that's my, um, okay. like my health coaching website that I'm, you know, now that I'm doing the doula training, it's going to shift a little bit, but, um, still my email, still my website. So not that there's anything on the website right now, but yeah, Sarah at holdfasthealing.com. Okay, cool. I'll link to that too. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a beautiful day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please take a second right now to subscribe. So that way you won't miss out on future episodes or any of our upcoming content that we have. Thank you once again. I love you and I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now.